Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got another great show for you this week. The Super Bowl is here on Sunday. We are going to see the Patriots and the Rams square off in Super Bowl 53, 17 years to the day of their first Super Bowl matchup way back in Super Bowl 36. Joining me today to talk about that is Russell Baxter from Pro Football Guru and Fan Sided. Russell took some time to break down the game with me. You'll hear that later in the show. Show me the money. The finale for the 2018 football season is here. I'll be joined by Will Schneiderhand, who made the very first set of NFL picks in week number one. We are going to wrap up the season, make picks for the Super Bowl, do the over-under, even give you an MVP pick in case you want to go gamble on that. That's coming up in this show. Be sure you're locked into the end. I will also keep you up to date on what is going on in the Australian Open. We have new champions to discuss. That's coming up as well. But first, we'll get all rolling with this week's opening tip, where I break down the big headlines you need to keep an eye on in Super Bowl 53 right after this. The play of this opening drive for the Rams. Golf. Plenty of time. Walks it to the end zone. And touchdown, Robert Woods. All right, and we're back with this week's opening tip. That call you just heard, courtesy ESPN's Joe Tessitore, the Rams' first touchdown in their Week 11 54-51 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. We did not get a rematch of the Rams and Chiefs this week, but we have the Rams in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, and there are storylines aplenty for this game. Even though of the four options we had for the Super Bowl entering the championship week, this was clearly number four. I don't think anyone really was dying to see the Patriots and Rams. I don't even think the league was dying to see Patriots and Rams because the Patriots, yes, they've been there a lot. They've been there now four times in five years, three in a row, only the third team ever to go to three Super Bowls in a row, joining, of course, the other two AFC East teams, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Sorry, Jet fans. But this is not one that I think many people are happy to see. And the Rams, the back in L.A., Trying to build the fan base, so not a lot of national enthusiasm around the Rams. But there's still a lot of intriguing storylines here. The Patriots, as I mentioned, the first, the third team ever to advance to three straight Super Bowls. The Bills, of course, lost four straight in the early 90s. The Dolphins back in the 70s. Win one, lose one, win the third. And the Patriots now are on a win-loss streak, and they're trying to pick up a win in their third game. The Patriots under Brady and Bill Belichick have now reached nine Super Bowls. Just the two of them, nine Super Bowls. No other team in the league in their history has more than eight. That's incredible. That's a run of dominance that we will never see again in the salary cap era. And Tom Brady, he's going to make history one way or the other in this game. If he wins and the Patriots win, that will be Tom Brady's sixth Super Bowl victory, breaking his tie with Charles Haley for the most Super Bowl wins of all time. If he loses, he could tie Jim Kelly with four Super Bowl losses. So either way, Brady's entering the history books. This also, again, we are in year number 17 of the Brady-Belichick era. It's fair to question, how much longer is this going to go on? Tom Brady is 41 years old. I know he looked great in the playoffs at times, but the regular season, the slippage was there. This team lost big in the regular season to the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Titans. Not exactly a murderer's row of competition there. And Belichick, he's staying up there. He's in his mid-60s. 
makes you wonder how much longer he wants to keep doing this. And I know it's sacrilege to say, is this the end of the dynasty? Is this the end of everything? But at some point, it's going to end. Brady and Belgian are zombies go guy in the Patriots Super Bowls forever. He can't eat enough avocado ice cream to beat Father Time. Father Time is undefeated. Tom Brady's about the best fight almost anybody I've ever seen against Father Time, but he's going to lose it eventually. Another guy on the Patriots could be on his way out, Rob Gronkowski. This one is pretty clear. I think we might be seeing the end of Gronkowski. Gronk almost retired at the end of last season. Remember, the Patriots tried trading into the Lions last, last year, but he refused to be traded, threatened to retire, so he would only play for Brady, and the Patriots pulled the trade back. Gronk this year has looked slow. He's looked gimpy at times. Remember the Miami Miracle? He was the, the safety on that play and could not get the angle to catch, the, to catch Kenyon Drake at the end of that play. Gronk has had a tremendous career, but he, he has a lot of opportunities outside of football. He could be an actor. He could be one of these guys who goes on to be a celebrity outside of football. So this might be Gronk's last game. And another thing, the Patriot underdog narrative, which it's just a narrative for their own heads. Nobody actually thinks they're underdogs. This is just pure Belichickian mind games where he's going and going like, you know, no one believes in us. You know, no one thinks we can win the game. You know, no one believes in us. Let's show them we can win the game. And they've all bought in. Tom Brady's telling Tracy Wolfson on CBS after the Charger game that everybody, no one thinks they can win this game. Julian was selling t-shirts that the Patriots are underdogs. The big, bad underdogs who went to the last two Super Bowls and won one of them. Yeah, they're really underdogs. It doesn't matter what we think. All that matters is that they believe it somehow. And they're using that as motivation to win this football game. On the other side, we have the Rams. And they have their own set of intrigue coming into this game. The Rams, again, in case people forgot, they're here because they blow and call last week. They're here because the referees did not call an obvious P.I. where let the Saints run the clock down, kick the game-winning field goal. They should not be here. That is something that's going to be hanging over this team. And I don't think they care. They're young. They're here. They know that it's not guaranteed to get back here. They can just ask Wade Phillips. They could ask Andrew Whitworth, who had never won a playoff game before this year. There are plenty of guys who can tell them the importance of winning this football game and not to waste this opportunity. Another headliner here, number one overall pick in 2016, Jared Goff, now in his first Super Bowl. Number two pick in that draft, Carson Wentz won a ring thanks to Nick Foles winning with the Eagles last year. But Goff is here. He gets to play the game himself, and he gets a chance to start his own legacy by winning a Super Bowl. Everybody knows winning a Super Bowl changes your life. Jared Goff has that chance in his third year in the league. He will have plenty of opportunities to get back, but you're never guaranteed anything in this league. Don't believe me? Just ask the 2009-2010 Jets. They got to back-to-back AFC Championship games with a very good core. Have not been to the playoffs since. That team imploded spectacularly. And while you're here... Got to take advantage of it. Jared Goff is going to try and do that this week. And another thing the Rams have, it's going to make them a lot of fun to watch, all the weapons on offense. You got Todd Gurley, scored 21 touchdowns in the regular season, mysteriously not in the NFC Championship game much. Only got five touches in that game. CJ Anderson got 17. So Gurley figures have a bigger role in this game. You have the spectacular outside receivers, Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. Cooks, who used to be on the Patriots, and they trade him to the Rams this year for a first-round pick. That is an interesting storyline as well because 
they gave up on Brandon Cooks. Cooks played in the Super Bowl last year, got hurt, did not finish the game, and was shipped out of town. Now he's on the Rams, he's in the Super Bowl, he's looking for revenge in that big-time fashion here. And the Patriots have a lot of weapons to deal with, and you are interesting to see who they try and eliminate from the game. Because Bill Belichick likes to scheme and say, okay, you can have everybody else, but I'm going to take your best guy away from you. He did that in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had torched the Patriots in the regular season. This time, they doubled him pretty much at all game. He only got targeted three times, had one catch for 42 yards. That was a big difference in that football game. Now, it makes you wonder, does he try and take the running game out and go after Ty Gurley? Does he double Brandon Cooks and train like Tyree Hill and trying to let him beat the, beat them deep? Does he check down Robert Woods? What's he going to do? I don't know. Another headline, Ram coach Sean McVay, the youngest head coach already ever to lead a team in the Super Bowl at 33 years old. I'm going to be, I'm only 29. I feel like I'm an underachiever when Sean McVay, who's only four years older than me, has a team in the Super Bowl. He's there. He can become the youngest head coach ever to win a Super Bowl if the Rams defeat the Patriots in this game. The current youngest is Mike Tomlin, who was 36 when the Steelers beat the Arizona Cardinals in Super Bowl 43 10 years ago. And Sean McVay is looking to join that elite fraternity of young, brilliant coaches to win Super Bowls. And the next big thing, again, the date. February 3rd, 2019 is the day of the Super Bowl. 17 years ago, on February 3rd, 2002, the Rams and the Patriots met in Super Bowl 36. The Patriots won that game, of course, on the Adam Vinatieri field goal at the end and launched the beginning of their dynasty and ended the greatest show on turf ramps. Now the roles are reversed. The Patriots are the dynasty. They have ruled the sport for 17 years. They have been to nine Super Bowls. They have won five of them. The Rams have not been near the spotlight of the sport ever since that run ended. They had a playoff drought of over a decade in there. Now they have the opportunity to get a little karmic revenge on the Patriots by trying to put an end to their run and stealing a Super Bowl from them. That will be absolutely fascinating to watch, and this game is going to be very compelling. I feel like both these offenses are high-powered. You get a lot of high-scoring offense, a lot of high-flying offense. You get a lot of running in this game because both these teams have committed to running the football in the playoffs. It's going to be a great theater to watch. You have two great football teams. I cannot wait to see what happens. I have a pick for this game. I'll get to that later in the show. But up next, we're going to talk to Russell Baxter, and we're going to dive deeper into this game, look at more specifics about the matchup, all that coming up right after this. First down, New England. Going against a team that leads the league in sacks. Brady still has it. Across the middle, wide open. He's got Hogan and an open field untouched. Touchdown, New England, 63 yards. Tom Brady can hit. Hogan's going to be here. One of these two has to guard him. They're both caught looking in the backfield, and nobody runs with them. And you'll see right there, you're not going to find a player more open in the National Football League ever. All right, and we're back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. I gave you some Super Bowl headlines at the beginning of the show. Now I'm joined by a national football reporter with a lot of experience covering the league to break down the matchup. I'm joined by Russell Baxter, who works for Fansided. Russell, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing very well. 
Rams Patriots playing the Super Bowl on Sunday. What is your big? What's your first takeaway when you saw this matchup coming up? Well, I mean, it's obviously one of the. Uh, you know, it's funny. You go back after you know the Patriots won their three Super Bowls in a four-year span, and everybody was looking for the next Bill Belichick. Well, now, even though the Patriots are in their ninth Super Bowl uh, with Belichick and Brady going back to 2001, the buzz more is everyone's looking for the next Sean McVay because of what he was able to do in a two-year span with the Rams, especially with the offense, with Jared Goff, who you know had a very shaky rookie season. Um, it was a team that had not been to the playoffs since 2004 and hadn't had a winning season since 2003, just so you know, in 04, they were an eight, eight playoff team. Um, and learned from last year's experience of winning the West and then getting humbled a little in the playoffs. And here they go. Now, a, a little bit of a flawed team in terms of defense, but defense has played better as of late. So it's a fascinating matchup. It's obviously, um, you know, quote-unquote kind of a, I don't want to say a rematch, Um but very much like, I mean, if you really think about it, um, it's very much like the situation that New England was in last year facing the Eagles. They had played the Eagles in the Super Bowl previously, but it was definitely a different regime. And such as, in fact, this is such a different regime. It's not the St. Louis Rams, it's the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely interesting to watch. Let's start off with the Patriots for a bit. They look mortal at times this year. People forget they lost. They got blown out by Detroit, Jacksonville, at Tennessee at various points this year. And then they come to the playoffs. They whip two 12-win teams to get the Super Bowl. Like, what is the big difference with them from early in the year to now? Well, I'm watching them, you know, obviously, easily their most impressive road win, even though just like um, when these two teams met in Foxborough in Week 6, talking about the Patriots and the Chiefs, um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs scored 31 points in the second half. They did that Sunday um, in the AFC Championship game as well, but Kansas City just doesn't have the defense. And I'm not saying New England's defense is great, but you know the, the calling card for the teams in the playoffs so far, including New England, has been running the football and controlling the clock. Time of possession has been a very, very big part of the playoffs and the playoff success. And time of possession comes really with the running game and being persistent with the running game. And New England has done that uh, with Sony Michelle in these two playoff games. And, uh, you know, the sur- I think the surprise was watching New England, like I said, play their best game of the uh, season on the road. I know they won at Chicago, but it, and a lot of that was special teams. But they did a great job protecting Tom Brady. They moved the ball effortlessly against the Chiefs. They had the ball, including overtime, for over 43 minutes. They ran 94 offensive plays for 524 yards. So they kept the other team off the field. Again, that's been kind of the formula of success for the 10, uh, 10 wins by playoff teams in 2018. So... Um, I, I can't explain how they were on the road this year. They were three and five, and you already mentioned, you know, humbled by Jacksonville. They look lifeless against the Lions. I still don't know what happened to Tennessee. Um, and then there were other road losses, but still, um, they were a very, very erratic team this year. And I think that's more the surprise than anything else. We're not used to seeing New England being hard to figure out, but here they are again. They're the, you know only the third team in NFL history to go to three straight Super Bowls, and they're attempting to do something 
that hasn't been done, Mike, in 46 years. You have to go back to the 1972 Miami Dolphins to find a team that won the Super Bowl the year after losing the Super Bowl. That's very impressive. I think one thing with the Patriots, I feel like, correct if you think I'm wrong about this, I feel like losing Josh Gordon actually helped them on offense. I feel like with Gordon, they were trying to stretch the field a lot, and they were trying to go deep and, and be more vertical. But now they're back to their game of the screens, the pick plays, the short runs. I feel like that's sort of helped them unlock the offense a little bit, not having Gordon to deal with. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, you think about last week's NFC title game, which, you know, C.J. Anderson, who I didn't wound up not seeing a lot of Todd Gurley, and on the opposite end, of course, um, you had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Well, we have something similar as well in this matchup. C.J. Anderson and Gurley again, and, you know, hopefully Gurley with two weeks, we see a little more of him this time around. I don't know what the explanation was that he was on the sidelines. Remember, he was hurt at the end of the year. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of speculation. But think about the Patriots. They've got the, the sledgehammer and Sony Michelle and one of the really good, versatile running backs in James White. You know, we've seen James White in the Super Bowl, what he does in terms of a runner, but more so as a pass catcher. Um, very, very effective. So you have two, two offenses here that really rely on their running games, their running backs. Um, and, you know, of course, the, the big difference here is the Rams, this Rams team with very few exceptions, hasn't been – in the Super Bowl in terms of players. Meanwhile, you've got the, the Patriots who make it like an annual pilgrimage to this thing, three years in a row, four times in five years. The, the, I think the one thing to keep an eye on here, or one person to keep an eye on here, is the Rams' defensive coordinator. And that, of course, is Wade Phillips, which was 2015 with the Broncos. It's the last time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl because of that Broncos defense. Yeah, Wade's got his work cut out for him. I feel like most of these, the, the recipe of beat New England, honestly, is just like sort of pressure up the middle. I feel like the Rams are well equipped to do that with Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue. You agree? Yeah, well, I mean, Aaron Donald is pressure up the middle, pressure wherever, <laughs> pressure, in the room, <laughs> pressure on the sideline, you know, pressure during halftime. Um, take your pick, yeah. And, you know, the Rams' defense which I think has played a little more under control as of late. Okay, you go back and look at them a year ago and even this year. So anxious, Mike, to get upfield to sack the quarterback that they've exposed themselves to the run. That also has to do with the fact that their linebackers are very undersized. Mark Barron is really a converted safety-playing linebacker. But Aaron Donald and Indominus Sue, Michael Brockers, very, very dominant against a very good Saints offensive line that to me that's really the key of the game the three-man front and even the four-man front when they go with Dante Fowler you know it, it, if you're Dante Fowler by the way you get another crack at the Patriots and Tom Brady who prevented you from going to a Super Bowl last year remember when he was with Jacksonville yeah that's very intriguing as well in terms of their defense they have a lot to work with the New England defense also Bill Belichick tends to be a master of finding one player on your team and taking them out of the games. They, they can't beat you. Like last week with Tyreek Hill, where he only had one catch for 42 yards. That definitely affects the Chief offense. Who do you think Belichick wants to take away from the Rams and say, you can't use this guy to beat us? Yeah, I would think it would be Todd Gurley because, of course, Todd Gurley, uh, not only a, a strong runner, but also the, you know, the, the pass receiving skills as well. 
Uh, irony of ironies here is, you, you remember last year's Super Bowl where we had Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt, who were successful with New England and then went to Philadelphia and beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year. Well, let's not forget that the Patriots this offseason traded Brandon Cooks to the Rams. Of course, Brandon Cooks played the Super Bowl last year before he got knocked out of the game with a concussion. So I think they'll try to shut down Todd Gurley and stop him from doing a lot of different things. I don't even know if they're equipped to do it, to be honest with you. But Brandon Cooks is a guy I'm very much keeping an eye on. It'll be interesting to see because they know him and he knows them. Yes, a familiarity factor very big in this game. Can you give me one key player who's not being talked about right now you think can be a true difference maker in this football game? Oh, I mean, for each team or for... Whatever you feel like, whatever you jumps out to you. Oh, I mean, it, it, it's hard to say that Kyle Van Noy is, is not a guy that people talk about because he just has a knack for doing a lot of different things. Uh, you know, when they beat them, he, he can, he'll be on special teams. He'll block a punt or, or return it for a touchdown and so on. I mean, he just shows up in different places. And I think he's a guy you always have to be kind of wary of. Um, I mean, I think he'd come off one of his, his best season with the Patriots since he joined them. And, um, yeah, I think that's a guy they have to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Jared Goff is going to try to spread the ball around. I think they're also going to try to get Jared Goff on the move. And it'll be interesting to see the way he, uh, the Bill Belichick deploys Kyle Van Noy. It, again, it's a recognizable name, but it's not necessarily a name that you hear week in and week out. Yeah, I think he's going to be definitely key because he's been wrecking some of these playoff games. This whole matchup is very interesting as well because a lot of people are talking about the whole idea that, like, 17 years ago was the first Super Bowl meeting between these two teams, and the roles basically reversed with the Rams with the dynasty the first time, now the Patriots are. It's kind of fitting mm-hmm. that, the, that the Rams could be in a position to end the Patriot dynasty in theory if they win this game and start their own rise to the top. Well, true. But I will say this. The, the Patriots did lose last year in the Super Bowl, and the quote-unquote end of the dynasty resulted in them being back in the Super Bowl. That's the, always the funny thing with New England now is uh, – People almost want to say, if they lose, it's the end of the dynasty. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I need to see the Patriots have a couple losing seasons before I'm ready to write them off. But I will also say this. Obviously, Tom Brady, uh, now in his early 40s. Uh, Bill Belichick, who has been in the National Football League an awfully long time. Okay? I mean, you know, we always wait for these finalities. We've seen some great players and, and, and coaches and their careers in the Super Bowls and so on. I think that's why people are trying to guess more than anything else. But, you know, you remember the offseason last year? Uh, You know, what's going on with the organization? They're not getting along, blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, somebody must have said the right thing because here they are again. Again, the first team to be in three straight Super Bowls since those Bills teams of the early 90s, and only the third team, ironically, all AFC East teams, by the way, the Dolphins and the Bills, to be, to be in the third straight Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm a Jet fan, so I'm stuck with suffering watching these other teams in the division roll roll through the playoffs year after year. So hopefully at some point the dynasty will end and the Jets will actually get their shot at this. Well, three means a different thing to you, okay? Uh, that was Super Bowl three. Unfortunately, it was 50 years ago. Yeah, unfortunately, I was way, way not born, even conceived at that point. (laughs) 
All right, before you go, who do you have winning this football game? I, you know, I'm not trying to cop out on your day. I haven't made a selection yet. Um, if you're asking me at this stage, I think I would lean New England. Um, you know, later in the process, I'll probably come out with a, a prediction on my own tel- a podcast and so on. But um, early stages here, I, I got to lean with the Super Bowl experience. And that's something I'll be watching. It didn't pan out for New England last year. Okay, Philly went toe-to-toe with them early in the game. Super Bowl experience a lot of times doesn't necessarily show up late in the game. It actually shows up early in the game while the other team is nervous. Okay, and sometimes a team digs itself quite the hole. Of course, we saw New England dig themselves quite a hole two years ago, and we, we know how that turned out. So I would lean New England right here. But again, I still think if you say player or coach, Mike, Wade Phillips, to me, plays a very, very interesting part in this Super Bowl. That Wade Phillips will be a guy to watch in the Super Bowl. Russell, thank you for all the time. Before you go, you want everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the other stuff you're up to, like the podcast you mentioned? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, one of my new projects is, is something I do with uh, my co-founder, Julie Voigt. Uh, you can follow us on TFG Vibe, B-I-B-E, which is Voigt's Insights and Backwards Expertise. Uh, we're going to have our first podcast come out. Uh, you know, soon called PFG Vibecast, where we'll have predictions and other information. And you can follow me on Bax Football Guru on Twitter. You can follow Julie on Julie Noted underscore PFG. Um, we have a lot of good things planned for the Super Bowl. Uh, already, you know, getting our shares of predictions. And of course, my website, profootballguru.com. All right. There you have it. Russell Baxter breaking down the Super Bowl. Russell, thank you for the time. You got it. All right, that was Russell Baxter talking Super Bowl picks here and Super Bowl, Super Bowl breakdown. Up next, we'll, I will make actual pick on the Super Bowl right after this. Show me the money. All right, and we're back. Show me the money. Super Bowl edition, the final day of picks for the NFL season. Joining me today is a guy I had on back in week number one for the first set of picks. He's here to wrap up everything. Will Schneiderhand back with us. Will, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. It's been a lot of times since I talked to you, so a lot of stuff's happened with our Jets since then. What's your big reaction to the Jet hires, specifically Gase and the coordinators? Uh, you know, Gase, at first, it was kind of like... Yeah, you know, are we kidding? But the more and more I've kind of thought about it, I guess it's, I wouldn't say, you know, it's kind of, it feels like it's kind of like a safe pick, but at the same time, I do see where it's a little bit of a gamble, you know, like guy was kind of a train wreck in Miami. Um, flies in here. Uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of like a train wreck in Miami, but I, I do like the idea of him getting into the room, into the same room as Sam Darnold. And I like, the, I really love the Greg Williams hire. I absolutely love that hire. <laughs> Greg Williams and Adam Gase in rooms we must see TV. I'm I'm praying yeah. they get picked for like the Amazon show. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they follow him for the whole season. That would be a lot of fun to see Gase and Greg Williams just arguing when things yeah. are going wrong. That, yeah, that's you know that's the only worry you have because you know you saw it in Cleveland with Haley and Williams and Jackson. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like Gase kind of know. You know what I mean? If if Gase were to do the same stuff he supposedly did in Miami, like he's just you know like he's out of his mind. So that's why I feel like he's gonna come here. Take a step back, try to work well, and, and I like why I like the Williams hire so much is because he's he, uh, Gase is just saying that's you and this is me, you know. I do my thing, you do the defense, and we'll all just 
you know, coexist and create the best team that we can. Yeah, and they have a lot of work to do this offseason. We're going to talk about this in about a couple of weeks. We're talk, planning to bring somebody else and we're going to discuss the Jet offseason. But real quick, what do you think is the big key for their offseason? What's that one thing they absolutely have to do? Make splashes in free agency, right? Yeah. I, I don't really – the draft to me I, – I, you know, McCagnan doesn't really draft too well in the middle rounds, but he's kind of found his way as far as getting starters in the first. I know the third pick you can't really – you know, you don't want to screw that up, but – I think they'll figure that out, but you got they have to have to have to go out and get like a Trey Flowers, an Ed Rush, uh, or or go and find or go and throw a boatload of money at Le'Veon Bell. I just they have to do it because last year, last off season, they kind of got away with sitting on their hands a little bit. I know they did, you know, sign Tremaine Johnson and, and stuff, but you know they they really missed out in this the the last off season i think that'd be fair enough to say where some fans are kind of like what's the deal here where yeah. this season i think don't blow it all but you got to you got to make it you got to get two at least two guys in the room that are going to benefit this team a lot yeah, you definitely have to do that. Earlier in the podcast, I spoke with Chip to the Super Bowl for a minute. I spoke to Russell yep. Baxter. You get a chance to check that out before what your big takeaway from what he had to say. I, I just, you know, you didn't say anything that i disagreed with. Um i i think I just think the craziest part about this Super Bowl is kind of like, not not even just from him, but like everybody. You know, it kind of seems like a little bit like meh. I think yeah. it would be fair. You know, like it's kind of like nobody, no, nobody really wanted this game. Nah, and, and nobody's really putting the time and effort in to actually really break it down. I feel like, like you know, like it's like oh, the Patriots will do this. You know, McVay and the Rams will do that. But I don't, at the end of the day, it kind of feels like does anybody? Is anybody like hyped up? I'm, I'm dri- I was driving in today and I was uh, I'm listening to WFAN and they were talking about the Super Bowl and I'm like oh yeah it's on Sunday like I you know I completely forgot about it yeah yeah this game I think I talked about the top of the show I'm like this is like number four of four the four matches the NFL could have gotten I feel like this is the least interesting of the four so yeah. see if the game actually is better than the lead up yeah I, I you know I kind of like the story mm. angle of like the young versus the old like Goff versus Brady McVay versus Belichick but even that I I just honestly I. I can't get into it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can't get really into that storyline. Yeah, I think it's a lot of Patriot fatigue as well, because they've been here so much of yeah. late. So it's like you want to see somebody see the Chiefs get there, have something new to talk about. I suppose like, oh, the Patriots are here again. Yeah. And like, half, and like 90% of America, except for I think Louisiana and, the, and New England itself, is rooting for the uh, Rams to win this game. Yeah, and, and the Rams, yeah, no, that's what I, yeah, yeah, the Rams being there too, it just isn't, I don't feel that like, you know, usually you see these teams kind of like, go through dramatic you know dramatic turns and twists and turns to get there and then it was like oh they just really got away with probably the most egregious non-call in nfl history <laughs> yeah we're gonna pick that game <laughs> before we get to that yeah. we have the update the pick challenge it took a bye week last week of the pro bowl kevin Lewis is here he picked the pro bowl helped you guys out on the challenge team got three points picking the afc so he has you guys are down 18 to 12 but since it was mathematically impossible to come back given our strength system I said I'd give you guys an opportunity here. I'm giving you a trivia challenge. All right. This is based on stuff from our pick segments throughout the regular season and throughout the playoffs up to this point. So this might I, be a train wreck. Hey, I'm giving you <laughs> I'm giving you ten questions. All right. If you get five right, I'll give you five points. All right. So let me get let me get our uh, little mu- music background <laughs> going here. Okay. So let's get it started here. Question one. You were the first guest on this segment, week number one. Yes. Do you remember the three teams you picked in that week? All right. I think I know it was the Bengals. Yes, you'd have them. Um, 
uh, Chargers. Yep, and one more. And because the Chargers didn't cover for me, I don't think. And yeah. Denver. Cor- correct. You're right. all, th- all three right. You went two and one that week. Bengals, Broncos, lost the Chargers. Chargers lost, right? Yep. To Kansas yep. City. Question two. Did we hit all 32 teams between me and the Challengers in 2018? Yes or no? I'm going to say no. We actually did. Really? Yes. Wow. Between the two sides, we hit all 32. Wow. That's a surprising stat. I didn't know this since I did the research recently. Who picked the Bills? I'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. Two teams were picked once all season. Name one of them. Basically, I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, I'll give you a second shot. That's not correct. One time all season. Um, (laughs) One... Uh, one time all season. One time all season. One You're in the right season. division now for one of those. Miami? Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Miami Dolphins only picked by Justin Diaz in week three. The other one on that question, the San Francisco 49ers, week 10, Sam DeRose. The only oh, pick on that one. Oh, God. I could I thought. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I completely forgot about them. Okay. Number four. Which team was the last one we, we picked this year? The last team chosen. Last team chosen. Okay. Is it? So this is like the, the last of the league. Which one was the last one we used? The last team, right? Yes. Playoffs? Are you talking playoffs? No, too? just regular, regular season. season. Oh man, God, you these are tough. Uh, the last team chosen. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm gonna just throw one out. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Pet Patriots. <laughs> the last, the last one, the last one we used all year. Let's be clarified. It's like, yeah. No. No, yeah. I, I, the, bu- <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God. They by, came back. By me in week 15. You picked them. I picked Who did them, they play? I picked the Lions. I got that one right. I picked them twice the last three weeks, and I was right on both of them. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> what okay. am I, one for three, right? Two for three? Two right for now? four. Two for four. Oh, okay. God. So, so you're on pace. All right. Let's. All right. Number five. Which team do the challengers choose the most? I'll give you a hint. They made the playoffs this year. All right. All right. All right. Playoff team. I'm not trusting the Pats. I'm going to say it's got to be between the Chiefs or Chiefs Chargers. All right, the Chargers help me. I'm going to go L.A. Chargers. Guys, correct. The Chargers are taken six times times by the Challengers. How many? I'm curious. You know how many times they actually did? How did the Challengers do when they picked them? I think it was about 500 splits. Okay, I was curious. Yeah, that was a hot team this year. Number six, which team did I use the most? Also a playoff team. All right. Um, it's not the Chargers. No. Okay. I can't du- can't double dip. Um, oh man, I'm trying to. I got. I'm trying to think back on a team you were hot on. Um, this includes the playoffs, by the way. Including the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs. Incorrect. The New Orleans Saints. Ah. I went to that well a lot. And they were they were helping me out a lot. Number seven. The Challengers did not take one playoff team all season. Which one did they not use? One playoff team all season. Uh, <laughs> all right. Honestly, my... Uh, it's a surprise once you figure it out. Is it? Yeah. Um, that doesn't bode well for me then, does it really? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the Colts. Wrong. The LA Rams. Really? Nobody took the Rams on the Challengers side the whole year. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a team, a team that, you know, every week they kind of had to prove it. That no. team didn't have to really prove it. Wow. Yeah. God. All right. What am I down to last, my last you, two? You need to get two of these three right. Oh, okay. All right. I got to focus. Up. Number eight. Which playoff team did I not take all season? The same conference as the Rams. Okay. Playoff team did you? 
Maybe conference is the Rams, but NFC West, right? Uh, Just which it was an NFC team. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh oh! Conference, conference. Yeah. Uh, dude, this is killing me. Ah oh, man, these are tough. Um, I'm not gonna say the Oh wow, this is tough. Non-play for me didn't. You know, I used the Saints. That's already thrown out there. <laughs> I know. So Saints are out there. I'm trying to think. Who okay, So the Rams. It's not the Rams. It's not the Rams. Uh, def- is it? No, not Rams. Uh, not, not chart or not chart or no. Bal- Baltimore is the NFC, right? Yeah. I'm gonna say Baltimore. That's Baltimore's the Baltimore's the AFC. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm getting confused. Okay, Baltimore's the AFC. Yeah. Um. God, I sound like an idiot right now. Oh, man, I <laughs> NFC team you did NFC playoff team. It wasn't. The, I'm gonna say the Chiefs. That's also AFC. Uh, oh my <laughs> God! Why I'm getting you know what? Because I'm trying to think of every playoff team right now. I'm just yelling out the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, so the other Ooh. ones left. I think were the, the Dallas. Correct. The Dallas Cowboys. I did not take them all season. Really? Yes. I avoided them all season. See, when I stepped back and took a step back, I didn't know my conferences. Yes. I swear I do. So you need one of these next two. All right. Number nine, who was picked more combined by me and the challengers, the Jets or the Giants? So picked. Which which, which one of the New York teams got got picked picked the most? Yeah. Giants. No, it was the Jets. Wow. By one. (laughs) How many times were they picked? Five. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Did nobody? I'm so shocked. Yeah, there was people were high on the Jets. <laughs> You're right. So I took them, I think, like four times. I think I went three and one. Really? Yeah. So the Gi- wow, I'm surprised that Giants offense early on didn't like get anybody psyched up. People ignored the Giants for a while. <laughs> That's true. And the last question. Here's this big one. To get the points, which team do we combine to pick the most, including the playoffs? Combine to pick the most. They've already been answered. <sighs> I want it. I want it. Combined, I want to say the Chargers. That's correct. All right, yeah, okay. If I got that one wrong, I'd have been an idiot. <laughs> all right, so you got your five. You got your five questions correct. Oh, and after I had to get all the conferences mixed up, so, so you got five out of ten. You earned your five points. All now. right. So now it is eighteen to seventeen in the playoffs. We are going to now going to get to the point that everybody's here for. We are going to make NF make the pick for the Super Bowl, and we are going to the big game. Okay. On NFL Sunday, February 3rd in Atlanta. Rams, Patriots, Patriots favored by two and a half points. That line has not moved for about like a week. So same someone's gonna stay that way. Will, where are you going with your pick here? Oh, uh, I'm right. gonna st- what was that? Where are you going with your pick right okay. here? I'm gonna stick with uh what I had sent you before. I'm gonna take the Rams. I think they're gonna I I you know, God, two and a half kind of seems like and the over-under is, what, 57? Yep. I don't really know if they're going to go over that. I do think it's going to kind of s- stick around like a touchdown. But I do I do like the Rams in this game, just the Rams to win by at least seven, six or seven, just because Brady just did not look good against Kansas City. He didn't win them the game in Kansas City by any means. Um, and I think McVay is really going to, you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. going to get up for this. I think Goff's going to get up for this. I I think in that in that defense, the Rams defense just I know you saw we saw Brady pick them apart last week and but it, the Chiefs apart last week and of course Belichick will prep accordingly, but that defense has a lot of guys who can swing the game and the momentum momentum of the game in an instance. 
So you're going with the Rand. You have two, yep. you have either confidence level two or one available to you. Which one are you gonna give that? Two. Okay, so you're, <laughs> you're putting your two on, on yep, the Rams yep, to win the game. Yep. I'm going to go against you here. I'm taking the New England Patriots. I'm taking the, t I'm taking the two and a half points because this is basically, that number is relevant. It's basically who you think is going to win the football at this point. There's no real cover here, the two or a one no, point. Exactly. It's very, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm surprised it stayed, right? Yeah, I thought it would have gone up another point or so. Yeah. I thought the Patriots have been getting bet so heavily, I would shift to three or three and a half by the time of recording, but it has not, so. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. too, right? Like, the it seems so easy to put your money on the Pats. Yeah, like, the, the way I see it is just simply this. Like, I don't think the Rams belong here. I think that clearly the Saints should have been here. I think that's going to hang over the Rams. The people are going to say, oh, you shouldn't have been here, all of this. And the Patriots, for whatever stupid reason, they somehow buy this idea that they're the underdogs, that yeah. Tom Brady thinks that somehow nobody believes in them, and Edelman's selling T-shirts, telling everybody that we're the underdogs, no, nobody true. believes in us. And, like, Balachek, he's has two weeks to get ready for this team. And you know he's going to find a way to take out their best player. And for me... The Rams might do it for him because that whole Todd Gurley, CJ Anderson time slip thing really concerns me because I feel like you need Todd Gurley to go off to win this game. I don't know if they're going to do it because they are just waiting to get this timeshare running back situation right now. No, yeah, that's where I'm kind of. I kind of think McVay is going to do a little Belichick where it's kind of like, oh, remember what I did last game? Well, I'm yeah. throwing it all out the window. Like I think we might see Gurley just get. 35 plus carries in this one i hope i hope that i'm wrong on this one i hope that i see the rams wings i'm sick of watching the patriots celebrate <laughs> i'm sick of their whole underdog bs but you know what like the head says the patriots i'm gonna take the patriots lay the two and a half points take new england and give it a confidence level two but i think it's pretty safe i think they're gonna win this game and that's the majority of the public opinion has gone at this point Next thing we're going to discuss, the over-under for this game, 57.5 points I have it at. Might be a half a point difference either way, but are you going with the over or the under in this game? I got to say, I hinted at it before. I, I just, I don't, that's a lot of points, I feel like, between these two teams, and I, 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 I want to lay the under, honestly. I, it's a safe bet, I feel like. It's just 57 is, I don't think it's going to get that out of hand, to be honest. Especially how the Patriots have been scoring. It's been bleeding the clock, long drives. And, of course, obviously the Rams are a quick hit offense. But with the Patriots offense, I can't see it. Unless there's like a you know like a kick return or a pick six or something. Yeah, I would love the over to happen because I'm in a box pool where I have five and one on both sides. It's 35-31 final. I would win a lot of money. I would hit the over. But I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to take the under here as well just because... Both these teams, as you mentioned, they want to run the football right now, which means you're going to have a lot of lengthy, time-consuming yep. drives, and you're going to have scenarios where like, they get stopped in the red zone and they kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. I think it's going to be like a 24-21-ish kind of game where it's you like... Can't get that feel, yeah. Where it's not going to be as high scoring as everybody makes it out to be. I think it's going to be a lower scoring. Yeah. I would I would play the under. Yeah, I just I don't think the, pa the... I mean, not even I don't think, but everybody, you know, this Pat's offense isn't really what it ever has been and it is it's a very methodical offense i don't know if they're really built to to uh you know to have three play four play big drives where the rams are but the rams also can you know bleed clock go 10 plus plays downfield yeah for sure and last question since we talked about prop bets last week we're gonna do one prop bet here right. name your super bowl mvp super bowl mvp all right so i have the rams winning and I think it's going to be big Aaron Donald. I think the way they win this game is that man right there. He's got to – I mean, we've seen it before, right? Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan. I think 
I think Donald's going to do what Von obviously different positions, but remember Von Miller wrecked the Super Bowl against the pa uh, or against the Panthers, and I yeah. think that that's going to be the case. You're going with a defensive player, a very rare yeah. choice for a defensive player when the MVP. he's going to have a big game. Yeah. I think that's you know big game. Yeah, that that's your pick. I am going with Sonny Michelle on the Patriots. Because, I like that. I like that because I feel like everyone's gonna, the chalk pick is Tom Brady. I don't think they're going to have they're going to win this game. I feel like they're going to run the ball a lot because the Rams during the regular season had a ton of trouble stopping the run. The Patriot offensive line is underrated. So I feel like their plan is going to be hand the ball to Sonny Michelle a lot so they control the clock. I think he goes over 100 with a score and gets a couple of catches. I think he gets the MVP yeah, award. He's been a stud this playoff, these playoffs, specifically yeah. that Chargers game. What do you have, like 102 touchdowns by half? Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he was the he was the game record there. I think he's going to be the MVP here. So to reset the I picks like here, Will has gone with the Rams, taking the two and getting two and a half points. Conference level two. I'm going against him with the Patriots, laying the two and a half. Conference level two. We have both taken the under. Conference level one. And for our prop bet pick for a Super Bowl MVP, Will is going with defensive tackle Aaron Donald from the Rams. I am going with Patriot running back Sony Michelle. And those are your picks for the final edition of Show Me the Money for the 2018 NFL season. Can't believe it's almost over. See, I'm, you know, the, then next thing you know, we'll be either going to dive right into draft coverage, free agency. It is. It's been a great year. It has been a fun year, and I've enjoyed coming on this podcast. It's jumping on, doing some picks. Yeah. You know, kicking yeah. it off. That was great. I like yeah. the full circle thing here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun bringing back some of the some of my favorite ones from the regular season crew. So you were on the list yeah. once. I, once I got there, I was like, okay, I got to put them in a the right order. Like this is the right spot to put you at the end. So go full circle here, bring everything back to. Them. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and hopefully it's a good game. I just, ugh, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. And maybe, you know, maybe there'd be another full circle thing here. Because wasn't it kind of the Pates, Pates, the Pats beating the Rams that uh, started this whole thing? Yes, it was. So, you know, maybe it's like the final exorcism, right? <laughs> yes. We're LA, wherever you are. I know you're not going to hear this at all, but let's just let this out of the there. Please exercise the demons. <laughs> Please, like, reverse what happened in Super Bowl 36. Just win the game for us, please. And then uh, you can do this, and the Pats can spiral out of control. Maybe the Jets will win a division before we, before we're gone. End America's suffering. <laughs> yes, please. We we are sick of New England. We just want to see somebody new win this league. Very, and very true. For Jet fans, is if only they're in the NFC West, that's great. Let the let the yeah, Rams yeah. be good. Great. <laughs> Yeah, I could go for a Chiefs little run here, right? Like, yeah. I could see them win for five years. I'd be completely fine with that. Just, um, you know, Belichick, Brady, I'm exhausted of it. Get get on with it. We've seen it all, bef <laughs> all before. Yeah, because, like you said, like, that's the Jets able to win a division. I mean, they haven't had a home playoff game since 2002. <laughs> I know. And our most iconic playoff win, you know, in the past 10 years happened up there, though, so... The, the last team to keep the Patriots out of the AFC Championship game was the New York Football Jets. And who is the quarterback? Marquis Mar Sanchez. <laughs> who until last week. <laughs> Coached by Rex yeah. Ryan, too. <laughs> until last week, Evan Roberts pointed this out on, on WFN a couple weeks ago. Until that AFC Championship game, he had more ro road playoff wins than Tom Brady. It's fun. It's almost like it's really odd, right, yeah. to like see that. <laughs> well, Tom Brady also doesn't play road playoff games. Never, because they just. <laughs> They're home every time, all yep, the time. Yep. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before you go, we've talked about the Mets on this podcast, too. Yes. They made a couple of moves recently. I haven't had a chance to get them on the podcast. It's been in football mode. They signed Jed Lowry. They signed Justin Wilson. If you were to grade their offseason so far, which is those two moves, Robbie Cano, Edwin Diaz, Familia, Wilson Ramos, and all the other random trades that Brody's made, A to F, where on the scale are you falling? F. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I would – Okay, it's gonna seem a little harsh. I'm gonna say a B. All right, like a, like a like a solid B. Only because they did add, they did, they, but they also like 
the farm system, they kind of got rid of a lot of guys. And they're just, like we were saying before, they're just still no superstar there. They get hard, if they got Harper, it'd be an A plus, 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 plus. But you know what I mean? Like, I think they did a good job answering some of the, filling some of the holes, bringing in depth guys, making it so, like, you can mix and match. If a guy gets hurt, put him here, this and that. Um, but yeah, like, like a solid B. I think I think that's fair. They didn't really, you know, set the world on fire, but they did um, fill a lot of holes and make them competitive. Yeah, I agree. That seems the general assessment I've seen going around the internet. It seems like it's a solid B. Where like, are they better? Yes, they're a lot better. But I could not give them an A when they did not pick up the phone and talk to either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. That just is not yeah. work for me because like, when you have your New York team, there's no reason you cannot like build a deep team and get the superstar. You should not be able to have yeah. forced to choose one or the other. Yeah, and the cess- in the in the Cespedes comment that um Well Jeff Wilbot's an idiot. That's yeah, all the discussion. You know, like that's just it's just that's just ridiculous. But mm-hmm. and, and I just I I I, I kind of have I hold this hope that like say they're competitive and come trade deadline they just like go and nab someone who's out there, make them better. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like you said. You you can't you can't kind of like Van Wagenen came in. I'm gonna do this this and that. And like you said, like how are you not even going to like talk to Harper, talk to Machado? I mean, it's New York. You're a new GM. You've already said you want to do all these bold moves. You want us to win, but you know, making yourself better like they have is different than making yourself a contender. And I think he's kind of you know confused the two. Yeah, we'll get more into the Mets a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl wraps up. I'm gonna yep. do a little baseball talk. So. Well, before you go, you want to let me know how far you on social media again. Some of the stuff you're up to. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been uh, writing for Fansided as always, as I uh, doing some MLB stuff, NFL stuff, and you know uh, I'm gonna dive right into some draft stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at at will s c h n e i d e r h one, and you can see what I'm up to, see all the uh, content I'm pumping out, and hopefully you enjoy it. All right, man. Thanks for the time. Yes, thanks for having me on. All right, that was Will Schneider with the final set of NFL picks for Show Me the Money of the 2018 season. Up next, this week's two-minute drill. We'll break down the finals of the Australian Open, let you know what what happened, what to look forward to on the men's and women's side going forward. All that coming up right after this. All right, and we're back with this week's two-minute drill. We have two new champions in the Australian Open. Let's get right into it. Let everybody know what's going on there. We'll start with the women's side. Naomi Osaka builds off her U.S. Open performance, wins the Australian Open, defeats Petra Kvitova 7-6, 5-7, 6-4 in an absolutely fantastic match. Went back and forth the whole way. Osaka shows a ton of guts and picks up her second Grand Slam win. Also of note here, Osaka, 21 years old, now the world number one player on the women's side, and in my opinion, the unquestioned heir to Serena Williams' throne. Osaka has shown that she can dominate tennis. She has picked up big performances in two consecutive Grand Slams, and right now, there's nobody on her level right now. She has taken over the sport, and what she does going forward is fascinating. As far as the elephant in the room, which is Serena Williams, she went out early. She had a ankle injury in the quarterfinals, and it's fair to wonder if the best of Serena is behind her because she's 37 years old this year, same age as Roger Federer, and father time never loses 
at this point. Serena Williams has done a great job, but this younger generation is starting to catch up to her, and she's had two crushing losses in slam finals. She lost at Wimbledon in the final last year. She lost at the U.S. Open to Osaka last year, and that matched everybody talks about the controversy of the trail umpire. But now you have to wonder, is she going to get more than one or two? Is she going to get the chance to break or tie Margaret Court's record for most Grand Slams ever at 24? She's been sitting at 23 for about a year and a half now. She hasn't won a Grand Slam since the 2017 Australian Open because of the pregnancy where she sat the rest of that year. Now, the, the women's calendar, there's a lot of like hardcore tournaments in the U.S. There's some clay court stuff coming later on, but it's going to be interesting to see how the French Open shapes up because the French Open on the women's side, which people don't, people, in case people forgot, it's played on clay. And that's a lot different than what it is here in the U.S. Open, which is the hard courts. The clay is a different surface. So it tends to be very punishing on like on your hard servers and rewards people who are willing to put effort in. And this is not Serena Williams' best slam. She's only won there three times. Now, three for anybody else is a great deal. If you want three grand slams in one place, you're like, wow, this guy's pretty good. Or this this woman's amazing. But three for Serena is nothing. So I'm not expecting her to do well here. You can watch Maria Sharapova at, at the French Open. She went to three straight finals there from 2012 to 2014, winning two of them. Simona Halep, defending champion, has reached three finals, including the last two. And, again, defending champion. So she was the world number one until she lost in Australia. And the wild card here is a little bit is Naomi Osaka because we don't know how her game is going to translate here. We haven't seen her do very well on clay in the past. She hasn't gotten past the third round of the French Open yet. It'll be interesting to see how she plays at Roland Garros in, two, in a couple months. On to the men's side. This was not even close. This is sort of a coronation for Novak Djokovic. He absolutely steamrolls Rafael Nadal. 6-3, 6-2, 6-3 in just two hours and four minutes, which is nothing for a men's match. Absolutely nothing. The last time these two met at an Australian Open final, their match went for about five hours. So two hours, four minutes is nothing. And Novak Djokovic, he ran Nadal off a court. He played pretty much perfect tennis. The whole match, he committed only nine unforced errors. And in tennis, there's only two ways to win a point. You either hit a winner, hit a shot in that somebody doesn't get, or your opponent makes a mistake, where you hit the ball in the net, hit it long, whatever the case may be. Djokovic hit nine errors. He made nine mistakes the entire match that cost him points. In comparison, at his U.S. Open final win, when he beat Juan Martin Del Potro back in September, he committed 38 errors in his win. That is astronomically incredibly improved and you're not going to beat that that's incredible he was just putting on a clinic that game he's now set a record he's won seven Australian Opens breaking a tie with Roger Federer and Roy Emerson for the most all time he also picked up his 15th Grand Slam title he's moved past P. Sampras into third place two behind Nadal five behind Federer who leads the way with 20 another interesting note for Djokovic he's won three Grand Slams in a row and if he wins the French Open, he will hold all four for the second time in his career. I call it the Novak Slam. It's kind of similar when Tiger Woods won the four majors in a row, but not in a calendar year. That People call that the Tiger Slam. Novak is going for his second Novak Slam of his career. And if he's able to do it again, that would just be remarkable. But to do that, 
He's got to get past Rafael Nadal on his favorite surface, on clay, which is an extreme challenge. Rafael Nadal has won the last two French Opens. He's won it 11 times. That's the all-time record at that event by far. He's 16-7 against Novak Djokovic on clay, so he has a clear advantage over Djokovic on that surface. And he is 86-2 at Roland Garros. He has lost two matches there in his career, which is incredible for a major. One thing worth noting, however, one of the two losses was against Djokovic at the French Open quarters in 2015. Djokovic did not win the tournament that year. He lost to Stan while Rinka in the finals, but he ended up winning the French next, the next year. That is his only French Open to date. He would love to get that second one, love to get a little closer to Nadal and get that second Novak slam. Watch how he and Nadal play in the coming months. Federer probably not going to be a factor here. He was about early in Australia, has not played the clay court swing in a couple of years. We'll see if he changes his tune. Until then, keep your eye on, I'll keep an eye on the periphery. If anything noble happens, I'll keep an eye on you. But otherwise, you'll probably hear from, ten, from me about tennis again in May, right before the French Open. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Russell Baxter, for taking the time to come by and break down Super Bowl 53. I also want to thank Will Schneider for coming back to make the Super Bowl pick in the final edition of Show Me the Money for the 2018 NFL season. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including Super Bowl picks from all 17 members of Team Challengers, all 17 that have given me picks for the Super Bowl, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Simply by searching for Just End the Suffering in the podcast store on Apple or the Google Play Music section. Feel free to leave your feedback and stories or help make this podcast get even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag Rams if you think the Rams win the Super Bowl or hashtag Patriots if you think the Patriots are going to win. Next week... We're going to wrap up the season. Joe Dalizio talk was back at the beginning of the playoffs. He's back next week to talk about what happened in Super Bowl 53, set up the offseason, keeping on some storylines there. We'll take a look at the halftime show, any notable commercials coming out of that game. We'll break all that down. Until then, I hope you have a better week than New Orleans Pelicans fans. Yeah!